0: Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And he began to speak unto them by parables, and he said, A certain man planted a vineyard, set a hedge about it, and digged a place for the wine fat, and built a tower, and let it out to the husbandmen, and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husbandman a servant, that know he might receive from the husbandman of the fruit. For of the vineyard and they caught him and they beat him and sent him away empty and again he sent unto them another servant and at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled and again he sent another and they killed and many others beating some and killing some having yet therefore one son his well beloved he sent him also last unto them saying they will reverence my son but those husbandmen said among themselves this is the ear come let's kill him and the inheritance shall be ours and they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard what shall therefore the lord of the vineyard do he will come and destroy the husbandman and will give the vineyard to others. And have you not read the scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would have your way in this place, that you would speak through me and that you would bring about deliverance like never before. I pray, Father God, that you would open up the eyes of our spiritual understanding so that we can understand what your word is speaking to us. And we will tell you thank you and praise you for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject rejected, but not removed. Rejected, but not removed. Nobody likes rejection. But the fact is most of us have encountered this type of pain early in life. From children being picked last for a game or not being picked at all. You ever, was that one that they just picked you because they needed another person? Rejection comes in all forms and it hits just about everyone. Teenagers, it could be not being invited to a party. You didn't make the list. For adults, it could be not being chosen for a job or somebody that you really like doesn't like you back. It comes in all ways. But what's really dangerous is changing who you are. Because you don't like being rejected. Changing who you are so you can fit in. And I know the dangers all too well about wanting to fit in. Being an outcast, being the black sheep, being the one that's least likely. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Nothing like being rejected by the people that are supposed to love you. The people that you think that are in your corner that are rooting for you and they they reject you. You're different. It's, it's hard for, for young folk to understand that it, it it's cool to be different. Everything looks the same. So you gotta you don't wanna be You you don't want to. It's funny because you want to be special, but you don't want to be special. You got to have a lot of friends. You got to have a lot of people who agree with you. You ain't going to say nothing, but I'm going to talk to you this morning. I, I want you to know that if you're an outcast, if you're different, if you're rejected, that you're in good company. That it's okay not to fit in. Because if you don't fit in, it's an indication that God has something special for you to fit into. But the question is, how are we supposed to handle rejection? There's some things we got to understand if we're going to be able to handle rejection. Let me just make sure I'm in the right place. Has anybody ever been rejected? Does, it, does anybody, does it feel good when when you're rejected? Okay, I'm in the right house. So, will give you some things that I think is important to understand, and especially for, for the young people. I, I, think, I think it's really important for young people to understand that it's okay, that you don't need to fit in with everybody. That, that it's okay to stand out, all right? But in this text, there's some things that we got we to gotta grasp. And the, the first thing, it might not sound like it really makes sense, but it will later on. If you're going to handle rejection, you got to understand that God is the owner, right? At that... That in this, in this text, it said a certain man planted a vineyard. He set a hedge about it, digged the place for the wine fat, built the tower, and let out the husband, let it out to the husbandman. And then he went into a far country. So we got to establish right off the bat who this is. This is God. God is the owner of the vineyard. If you look at Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, I'm going to read it to you. He says, now will I sing to my beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. Well, beloved, hath a vineyard, my beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, gathered out the stones thereof and planted it in the choices vine. He built a tower in the midst of it and made a winepress therein. And he looked at it that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem, O men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. And now go, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. And it shall be eaten up and break down the wall thereof. It shall be trotted down. I will lay it waste. It shall be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up bri- briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no more upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold oppression. For righteousness, but behold a cry. So, right at the offset, what this scripture is telling us is that God is the owner. He is the one, and the vineyard is Israel. Judah. Come on, somebody, say that's me. <laughs> that are us to who have been grafted in to the vine. Right. One, it would have been just for Israel and his chosen people but because they rejected he said I was go out and I'll find another and I'll bring them in and I'll engraft the, the wild ones into the vine now, ain't that something that because Israel was bringing forth wild grapes and not good grapes God went and left and chose wild grapes and engrafted it into a good vine And what I need you to understand is that he said he he planted, he digged, he hedged, and he built. So that's that's talking to us that whatever God has done in my life, he owns me. I am not my own, that he he planted me. Somebody say he planted me. Now you might not like where he planted you, but you cannot choose the ground that he plants you in. He planted you. He went to Home Depot. He brought the seed and he planted you. He knew everything that was in you because he read the package before you ever got open and put in the ground. He planted you. I'm preaching already. I'm trying to help you to understand. Stop complaining about the dirt you're in and be, give God praise that you've been planted. But not only did he plant you, He hedged you. He put boundaries. Places that you could grow out into. But so stuff couldn't grow into. And the problem with us wild grapes. Is that we keep trying to hedge out. Of the place that God has hedged us in. And also it doesn't feel comfortable when he's digging how many people say hey, i understand they don't feel good when he's digging because <laughs> you know when he's digging he's coming after something i don't know if you ever went and got a tooth pull, but i can't stand they tell you they're gonna put you to sleep they say you're going you ain't gonna know nothing but for some reason conscious or unconscious you know somebody is digging It don't feel good when when he's digging. And that's what the word of God is supposed to be doing for us. It's supposed to be digging. If you're still dealing with surface stuff.
1: But not only that, he said
0: he built a tower and he put watchmen. And that was the common thing for a wine press. They would build a tower and they would put people would come and they would watch out for anything that would come in and try to destroy the vine. Because the vine was a way of income. It was a great source of income. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. I, I don't want to bore you with the details. I just want you to understand that God is the owner. And if God owns me, it, it kind of helps me to understand that. I, I, I'm, I'm going to save that for later. But but you get what I'm saying. People can reject you, but they don't own you. So th- the next thing we need to understand is that because he's the owner, he said he left. He was He digged, he planted, then he left, and then he put some people in charge. It was the priest and the prophet's job to keep the vineyard, right? I'm going to teach first. We're going to have church in a little while. The priest and the prophet's job was to keep the vineyard. Now, put a pen here, Luke chapter 9. This is what Jesus had told his disciples. Remember, in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, he called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority over devils to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach, then to heal the sick. He said to them, take nothing for your journey. Don't take script, stabs, bread, money, uh, or, uh, neither have two coats. And whatsoever house you enter, there abide and thence depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake the dust off your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went into the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And another um, portion of scripture parallel in that gospel, he told them, I send you out as sheep among wolves. So it was the priest and the prophet's job to go out and to preach the good news, but understand that you would have rejection. That there are going to be some houses that don't receive you. There's going to be some cities that ain't going to like what you're saying. You're going to have to wipe. uh, Hold on to that. Put a pen there. You're going to have to shake the dust off your feet. Keep it moving. I send you out as sheep among wolves. Now, what is awesome about this is that as a priest and as a prophet doing the will of God, he's giving them power. Did we see that? He said, I give you power. I gave you an anointing to go get a job done. But everybody's not going to receive your anointing. Hold on there. Just setting it up. So we got the owner, we got the priest and the prophets. I just want you to find out who you are in this story. Next we have the religious leaders. Right? They were the people... And they would understand. See, most of the parables that Jesus taught, they were the high truth. He spoke in parables so that people wouldn't understand the truth that was hidden in the parable. Because every time he would give a parable, he would have to explain it to his spiritual disciples. Because they still couldn't get it. And he said, look, if y'all can't get it. So the parable was designed to hide the truth. But this parable, he was not hiding anything. The leaders he was talking to, the Jewish leaders he was talking to, would know exactly who he was talking to in this parable. So the religious leaders and the people, they they were the people who beat and stoned the priests and the prophets. Now listen. History is filled with the mistreatment of God's prophets. And Justin Martyr in his dialogue, he he wrote about how um, the Jews sawed Isaiah in half with a wooden saw. Now I don't know if you've ever been cut with steel. That hurts all by itself. But to be cut in half With a wooden saw. There's a reference of the sawing in half of a faithful man in Hebrews 11.37. Very likely it was Isaiah, the faithful prophet, who they sawed in half. Jeremiah was constantly mistreated. He was thrown into a pit. You can read about that in Jeremiah. Tradition says that at the end of Jeremiah's life, he was stoned to death. So when Jesus described them stoning the slaves that came and the servants that came, they could remember the stoning of the prophet Jeremiah. Ezekiel faced the same hatred. Amos had to flee for his life. Zechariah was rejected. And according to 2 Chronicles 24, he was also stoned. Micah was beaten in the face. According to 1 Kings 22, a uniform and hostility was directed toward the prophets and a hostility varied all the way to the beheading of John the Baptist, who had his head handed over on a platter. Does that sound familiar? See, what I I need you to understand is that it hasn't changed. That just like they beat and they rejected the prophets of old, they're doing it today. Just like the hostility goes from level to level, it's happening today. There's no respect for the things of God today. They would just as soon spit in Jesus' face as they would spit in you and my, my face. Oh, 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 nobody ain't going to spit in my face. Yeah, they spit in our face when they say, let's take prayer out of schools. They, 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 they spit in the prophet's face when they say, we're going to make marriage between man and man. They, they spit in our face when they mock and they make fun of the things that we hold sacred. Y'all ain't going to say amen. It should hurt you to your heart and your spirit to see how they have excelled in the anger and hostility against anything that's sacred. And then they would understand that the last one he was talking about, the air that would come was standing right in front of their face. That after after all the mistreatment to the prophets of old and what would happen, they would stone and beat and mock Jesus, gamble his clothes, and hang him to a cross. He would be the last one that God would send. And we can't handle rejection. We, we don't like if somebody doesn't like us. We, we don't like if, if if you didn't like my fe- Facebook posts. If, 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 if there's nothing like desiring somebody that doesn't desire you. Why they get the job? Why, why they have so much favor? Why, why are they, y'all not gonna say nothing? Why is he with her? Why is she with him? Why? Rejection. I'm going to tell you something. It is bad parenting skills if you tell your kids yes to everything. Because they don't know how to handle rejection. Sometimes God has to tell us no. Just to see how we're going to act. Because you got told, no, you ain't going to say nothing. And and some people want to keep friends rather than keep their anointing. But, But you're in good company. The Bible says in John 15, 18, I feel my hope. I don't need need you to say amen. I brought my amens with me. In John 15, 18, he said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And don't worry about the fact that the world is rejecting you. You're in good company. Because they they hated me before they hated you. And if they hated me, who is God in the flesh? Who are you? Y'all are not going to say nothing. I love Psalms 2710 where he says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. If you were adopted, if you were put up and nobody wanted you and they, they put you out because nobody wanted nothing to do with you, don't don't worry about it. Don't, y'all not Y'all not going to say nothing. If, if they didn't take care of you like you wanted to be taken care of, don't worry about it. He said, I will take you in. See, when, when everybody else want to shut the door on you, don't worry about it. I got a door that I'll open for you. In Psalms 94, uh, 14, he said, for the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. We got family that abandons heritage. But you don't have to worry about that. We got, we serve a God. I love how Isaiah said that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of many sorrows, acquainted with gift, not as one from whom hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He said that he came to his own and his own received him not. Have you ever went to your own and your own don't want nothing to do with you? Your kids don't want nothing to do with you. I'm not going to say nothing. Auntie, who was always there, don't want nothing to do with you. The school don't want nothing to do with you. I'm going to come right down your lane. See, I know this is the message because you got grown folk who still are dealing with hurt because they were rejected. Rejected over 20, 30 years ago. They were rejected and they still got the pain because they were rejected. You could talk to them about anything and somehow they're going to bring you right back. To when they were hurt. So, so, Pastor, I, I get it. I I've been rejected. I I know, you know. I I, I don't want to fit in, but you know, there's something. See, see, it, it speaks to pride. It speaks to pride. When 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 you feel like why why they why they don't want me why didn't i get picked all this i'm all this anointing all this greatness why why didn't i choosing me that nobody appreciates y'all not gonna say nothing It, it speaks to pride because you 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 don't like to deal with rejection and rejection leads to bitterness and bitterness leads to anger And because we got to be so spiritual, we don't want to tell anybody that we're angry. So we cover it up like everything is okay. But really, we're angry on the inside because you rejected me. And I don't know how to deal with it. Somebody say, Pastor, show me how to deal with it. Okay, I, if I could just have about 15 more minutes of your time, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you exactly how you need to deal with rejection. I had to learn how to deal with rejection. Huh? Why? Why are they always talking about me? They they didn't want to pick me for any of their reindeer games. Y'all not gonna say nothing? They, why? Why are they? Why are they, they, they? rejected and oh, what about me? I could play ball. I. I, I before I learned how to play ball, I couldn't play ball. You ain't gonna say nothing. Self-check. They wouldn't even deem me, you understand? Cuz I couldn't dribble, I couldn't do it. They just leave me alone. I'd be like, y'all better put somebody on me. Don't play just act like you deem me at least make me think. Y'all not gonna say nothing. Rejected. Kids who get rejected, they gravitate to so nobody don't want me. So now I'm going to go join this gang because the gang, the gang doesn't reject me. They, they, They treat me better than my family treat me. Oh, I've been rejected by so many men, and the, the men don't treat me right, so I, I, don't, I hate men because I've been rejected by men, and my daddy wasn't a daddy, so I, I don't want nothing to do with men, so I'll gravitate, and I, I'll love women. Because my sister understands me. Rejection. Some might say, but there's hope. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. When you you feel like you've been rejected, just cast it to, to God because God cares about what you care about. And he knows how you feel. Luke 10, 16 says, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. The one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Yeah, I, I ain't got to worry about it. If I'm, if I'm walking with God and I'm, uh, I'm okay with, with who I am, y'all not going to say nothing, then, then I, I can go ahead and understand that. Don't worry about it. If, if they reject you, then they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the God in you. Oh my God, and and I really love this, that in Psalm 139, he tells me, for for you formed my inward part. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Y'all not gonna say nothing. You can reject me because I know I've been fearfully and wonderfully made and you can't handle all this goodness. I ain't going to say nothing. In Romans 8, 31, I'm preaching. He said, what shall we say to these things? What shall we say to these rejections? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I love this. He says, and Jeremiah, I will restore health to you. And your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because you have been called an outcast. But it is Zion who I care for. Somebody say, go ahead and reject me. Go ahead and reject me. Now, let me close this message. I know, I know, I told you we're going to have, it goes back to to Luke. It goes back to Luke chapter 9 where he gave us the instruction. He said, listen, I, I have anointed you to go out and preach, heal, and set free. I've given you something. So here's the key. Here's one. I only got a couple. I'm done. The the first thing you got to understand in order to handle rejection is that you got to know who you are and what you have. See, before he sent them out, he said, I've given you power. Woo! And some people don't understand. They They don't like rejection because they don't know who they are. See, when I know, when I came to the realization of who I was, then I, had, I came to a place where I didn't have to please people. I didn't have to make everybody happy because I thought if I made everybody happy, they could do something for me and invite me into their reindeer games. But I found out that I had uh, what I needed on the inside and that whether they accepted or rejected me, it wasn't going to devalue who I was because I'm fearfully and wonderfully, y'all not going to help me up in here. So he said, I anointed you and then he told me when you go to the house. And, and Mark Matthew chapter 10, the parallel to this story, he says, if you find a house worthy, stay there and let me help you. Tap your neighbor and say, everybody ain't worthy. And here's the problem. You keep trying to stay over houses that are not worthy of your presence. He said, if you find a house worthy, stay there. The problem is we keep trying to find every house. And then when the house rejects you, you're hurt. Other than understanding that you weren't supposed to be there in the first place you yeah. see 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 i'm I, i'm gonna help you and this is hard for a pastor or a leader to preach because you got you 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 risk people interpreting that as saying i'm out of here but i'm gonna put spirit help me christian we gonna preach this i I'd rather preach truth and have you leave Than to make you happy and stay when you're not worthy of my y'all better help me. Y'all better help me If you find a house worthy then you stay if you're not worthy then you got to you got to shake the dust off your and that's the problem number three when you get rejected you don't know how to shake stuff off And you are still carrying dust. Woo! Let me help you. Let me help you. Sandals were worn in that day. So what Jesus was telling them is that, and when you walk, right? When you walk, when they would take journeys, they would step in a lot of things. I'm going to keep it PG. You know what we're doing. So when they would go to a person's house, the people who would host that person at the house would wash their feet. So that the the stuff on their feet from the journey would no longer be present in their house. They missed it. I need to be preaching to a church. I'm trying to help you. He says, when you go to a place that's not worthy of you, you got to learn how to wash your own feet shake the dust off your feet because if you don't the next place you get to you gonna bring that crap right up in that house and I, I, i don't need no crap up in this house that you've been carrying with you for the last 20 years of your journey somebody say wash your feet because your feet stinking. That's why I know your feet is stinking when your attitude stinks. When you can't handle the truth. When you don't know how to understand who you are. Then you bring stuff. And some of you got pretty shoes on. But you got stuff from other houses. You got footprints from other stuff. Woo! I'm preaching better than y'all saying. Amen. Woo. Oh my God. You gotta get rid of it. Somebody said get rid of it. I love this analogy. Listen, so like before, you know, you and I don't know about the women bathroom but i know about the boys bathroom right like like stevie he potty trained right he potty trained you know how to go to the bathroom now like i to go to the bathroom so you know and i remember dre right so we teach him flush the toilet right flush the toilet that, that's that's protocol when you when you pee flush the toilet. So if you go out and you go to a restaurant, the man gotta go bathroom and go up and you go to the big boy stall, you go to the little boy stall. You understand? He tried to go to the big boy stall. That don't work. You need to get to the little boy stall. And okay that how do I flush? Well there's nothing to flush. There's there's nothing to flush. You gotta walk away and it flush by you you gotta walk away and it'll flush by itself. The problem, the reason why some of y'all stuff ain't flushing is cause you ain't walking away. You, you still got it with you but you you need to learn how to let it go you need you need to understand that everything is not and jesus told him said listen now, now here's the thing here's the problem here's the pride his pride check it out you missed it the reason why people want to stay at a place they're rejected at is because they're thinking well i'm so anointed what's the I can't leave. He anointed me. He gave me power. I can heal diseases. I'm going to stay here and you stay and it don't work. Isn't it something to know that you could be anointed for something and it don't work? Jesus gave him the power. You would think it works. So we get mad because we try to witness, we try to give good news to toilets. And we use all the anointing we can on that toilet. We will anoint the toilet with oil. We will put a prayer shawl around the toilet. We'll throw scripture all at the toilet. Fast for the toilet. And nothing works. Because your anointing does not work on that toilet. So you spend 15 years in front of the same toilet. When there's so many other bathrooms. Woo! Oh my God. And we let people, oh my God, mess with us to keep us in a place of ineffectiveness. Because they'll say stuff like, how's the ministry with the toilet going? I'm still praying. I'm still working on it. No, step your neighbor. say, walk away. Please just walk away. You gotta learn how to take a loss. I ain't gonna share all my son testimony, all my daughter, but one thing that he did not like was losing. It would get mad. Because he felt he always and, and when he was small, I'd get out there and I'd play with him, you understand, and I'd let him win some games. He'd be winning. And then then I'd then I'd spank him. And I'd spank him a couple of times. Not hit him literally on the court, I'd spank him, and he'd lose, and he'd get mad. And he don't want to play no more. And I say, you gotta learn how to lose gracefully. Because you can win good, but you got to learn to lose gracefully. Now I can't beat him if I wanted to, and I get mad, and he got to (laughs) say, you got to learn to lose gracefully, dad. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. I don't want to play no more. You know my leg ain't hurting, ain't working right, running all up and down. Anyway, have some mercy. But anyway, learn how to lose gracefully. It's okay. And the last point I want to give you is know that if that ain't the house, if that ain't the job, if that ain't the boo or the bay, <laughs> God's got something else if you keep moving. He said, when you shake the dust off your feet, he said they went to other cities and towns. They didn't stop. And the problem with us is that rejection, a lot of times, makes us stop. I'm not going to do this no more. You got to know if it don't work here, it's going to work somewhere else. If I got the door closed there how many how many can look back over the sovereignty of God in their life and give God praise for the doors he shut for the people that rejected you? I told y'all I look at Facebook now and I thank God for rejection because if I wasn't rejected there, I couldn't have oh my God. <laughs> I thank God every day for my wife. Some of you still crying over who didn't want you, over what you didn't get, over why it didn't work, over what's wrong. Stop, stop. Stop that. Stop stop when people and places and things don't accept you or don't want to hear from you or don't want nothing to do. Stop asking the question, what's wrong with me? What's what's wrong with me that 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 everybody now now now, now just side note if everybody <laughs> Yeah, you know, if everybody it's you (laughs) but can't say it no other way everybody everybody crazy but you no you crazy so (laughs) fix that and then you jump back in the sermon and say okay all right but anyway stop asking what's wrong with you it could be the fact that god Anybody see Black Widow? You didn't see it? I love that movie. And I don't know how it worked itself up in here. I can't even put this in my sermon, then. I can't can't put this in my sermon. Oh, Lord, I don't want to mess the movie up for you. I don't want to mess it up for you. Yes, I am. I'm gonna mess it up for you. Check it out, right? I'm gonna tell you the whole movie from the beginning to the end. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> just, listen, I got 45 more minutes. It's only 1:15, so the movie comes on. Like, no, I'm just, I'm not gonna mess with you. Does that make my point? Let me see if I can make it with another movie. Nope, I can't. I'm not going to mess it up for you. Uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just know this. Some people can't do nothing to you and can't accept you because God ordained that they can't. It was ordained that they reject you. Because sometimes the things we go after will mess you up for the rest of your life. And if you believe God is in control, he's got to be in control. Of the exceptions and the rejections. And it takes maturity to be able to thank God for the no's in your life. You know, that's when, I, when we first started. It was like, oh, I I know I'm annoyed. I could preach. It. Oh, you preach. It. They love you when you first come out. It's like um, it's like new car something, fresh something, fresh preacher center, whatever it is. You're the next new thing. Like, Everybody calling you. You want to come preach? Can you come preaching And then you're like, yeah. And if you're not careful, you, you get the big head. Everybody want me to come preach. Then all of a sudden, nobody calling that because you start preaching. See, if you preach nonsense, they'll keep calling you if you come start setting people house in order they're not calling you back to that church so, so i already knew that so i was like oh why are they' not calling me back no more then COVID hitting nobody go nowhere so it's but you understand it's like you, you as a preacher and as somebody in ministry you you could it could really begin to mess with you and you're like well maybe i'm doing something wrong why why are we not doing it then you start thinking about what what your congregation did well hey, we not going nowhere like so maybe this ain't really the no, the, the devil is alive it, that there you go then that's how, that's the trap that people get you into and that's why ministries fail because you're afraid of rejection and people can't sit still and they won't be everywhere and they want to do everything that everybody else doing because you can't handle rejection I think that's the one thing I thank God for my, um, my, my, my cocaine addiction, that period of my life. Because I know the devil was trying to kill me. But the one thing it helped me do was to be strong and not care what people think. Not one bit. Because I know that in them darkest moments, there's nobody but you and God. There's nobody but God that'll bring you out. There's nobody but God who put the call on you. He fearfully and wonderfully made you that you don't have to please people because if you get into that lane and you got to be, and I'm not saying you need to be mean and ugly with it. You just got to be confident in what God put in you so that you do not allow the rejection and the naysayers to damage where you are going in your life. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. So now we're going to stand and pray because I want to pray. That you get free from the opinions and the rejection of others. their fathers who have gotten involved with so many some no's in life you have a spoiled generation where they think everything is yes and everybody loves them and they're just wonderful the best thing since and I'm not saying don't affirm who they are and I'm not saying that they don't need but they need to understand that this world that they live in there's going to be some no's there's going to be some jobs you want that you're not going to get there's going to be some positions that you want that you're not going to get of times it's, it's, it's God testing us and seeing see God a lot of times God will tell you no just to see how you gonna act in that no before he gives you your yes and as soon as you fail that class and no you can't handle the yes so God we thank you for your word you told us we would be rejected, but you told us that the stone that the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That was the message, rejected but not removed. They can kick you out. They don't have to respect it. They accept you, but I'm going to tell you something has a place for you to fit that nobody can do anything without you being in place that is why it is so important to be in place because you don't know what stone you fit in you don't know what place you have and it keeps the wheel moving and thank god that god's got a place for us outcasts, the rejects, the ones who they said would never be nothing, that God, you poured your anointing on us and gave us power. So Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you would help everyone in here to be healed and to be able to um, admit their hurts, their angers from even the space of rejection and then move on and understand that when the world hates us, that you love us that you chose us, that you called us, that you empowered us, that you given us a place. You said you put works that we should walk in, that we have a place in you when we're out of place with this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. And we tell you, thank you, God, for choosing us, for loving us. We are special. We are, we are special, important in your eyes. And we thank you that you sent your only son to die. For if it would have just been just one, you would have did it for us. And we thank you for it. So God, we thank you for healing in this service. We thank you, God, for growth. We thank you for maturity. And we thank you for what you're going to do, how you're going to continue to use this word to develop our character. In Jesus' name, and we give you praise for it. Father, pray for our nation. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those boys that they can't find in that river. We pray, God, for these summer months and for what these kids are going through and doing, the people being shot, the things that are going on in our communities, the ministry you've given us to to do, to be, show us where to place our feet. And, Father, if it don't work in one place, show us how to shake the dust off our feet and go to another place. We'll keep moving because we know it does not mean that we don't have power. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace, love and joy.